you know the the legendary Del Close who who directed yeah. City Forever? I was studying with him, and he asked me to come wow. audition. And I was given the you know nine o'clock nine a.m. audition spot, which is you know the best time to be funny. Mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> and it was me and some other guy who is lost to history. Don't know what happened, mm. but we're on the famed Second City stage, and you know they okay you know this is your improv go right. one line into my improv and if, if i was hooked up to electrodes i couldn't tell you what it was about but i just know that one line in boom swinging wow. like saloon doors cops come in freeze oh my god run to dell cuff him and i'm thinking is this something they do <laughs> <laughs> I was in Chicago. It's LA and London. LA, LA and London. Chicago, you know what's crazy? I think you said Chicago like for a half a second backstage and then I just stuck. That's all right. It's a great place to be from. That's true. <laughs> and Where and did any you start time out? between May and October, it's the nicest place in the world. That's know? true. Yeah. Any other mm -hmm. time. It's not. I used to time. go do gigs. I uh, I was dating somebody. My girlfriend went to uh, law school in Chicago, which worked out well because I was always, you know, I was doing the Laugh Factory. But like going out there, I just remember like turning, like you would turn a corner and you wouldn't realize that the wind was being blocked by the building you were in front of. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just yeah. the intense cold. And I just remember like cursing the entire time I was yeah. there. Like who the fuck would live here like <laughs> in the winter? Like it's brutal. Yes, there would be many. That, that was probably my most spiritual because I, I would literally negotiate with God standing on the <laughs> Get me home and I will do anything. anything. Right. I don't care. Yeah. You know, whatever you want. And it didn't matter like how many layers you were wearing because you're, no. you still had to have a face, like some part of your face exposed. Yeah, your your nostrils had to, right? Be, you know, so but they'd freeze, so you'd die yeah. that way. You know. I think what was really depressing to me was I saw a dog in a nicer sweater than I will probably ever <laughs> own in my entire life. Like he was tied outside and he was wearing this beautiful, and I was like, I almost wanted to be like, "Where the fuck did you get that sweater?" <laughs> like, like. You tell me and I'll go, is it affordable? What are you thinking? But you know what? A great city for comedy. Yes, absolutely. Great yeah. city for comedy. I, I grew up at Second City. Nice. That's where you started? I started studying there when I was uh, a kid. And mm. I was, the first show I saw there, I was 12. And you weren't, you weren't, you know, I was reversed. Wow. You had to be 21, but they, they right. sneaked me in. And it was, you know, George Went and Tim Kazarinski and Bill Murray wow. and Candy and, just the funniest people in the world. And then, yeah. um, do you know the the legendary Del Close who, who directed yeah. City Forever? I was studying with him and he asked me to come wow. audition. And I was given the you know, nine o'clock, 9 a.m. audition spot, which is you know the best time to be funny. Mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> and it was me and some other guy who is lost to history. Don't know what happened. Mm. But we're on the famed Second City stage, and you know, like, okay, you know, this is your improv go. Right. One line into my improv, and 
if, if I was hooked up to electrodes, I couldn't tell you what it was about. But I just know that one line in, boom, swinging wow. like saloon doors. Cops come in, freeze. Oh my God. Run to Dell, cuff him. And I'm thinking, is this something they do? <laughs> like make sure you're, 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 you're not in the moment. Focused, yeah. You're staying there. And, and God bless, you know, Bernie Sounds and Joyce Sloan, who ran the theater at that time. They just go, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and the cops are pulling him out. And so, you know, the, the, <laughs> the audition got canceled, postponed. And at wow. the time, I was working on a play that I'd uh, written with a dear, dear friend of mine, Jerry Hazelmeyer. And it ended up running. We figured it was going to run for six weeks. It ran for a couple of years and it got me to California. So wow. I never had a chance to audition again. Oh my God. That is the craziest audition story I think I've ever heard. That's not, did you ever like, did you follow up and find out what happened or like, I what did, was... but it's all alleged, you know, oh, okay. and yeah. anybody, I mean, if, if you've read anything about Del Close's life, mm. anything that actually happened is right. you know, there, there are nine stories that, you know, that also actually happened that are wilder than this. Sure. One. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just so funny. I feel like I would have been like, how do I follow up on this? <laughs> do, do I ask about the cop thing first or do I just go, do you want me to come back and audition or like that? I mean, that's, a weird... that's sort of the actor thing. Like, do you want an up tempo now? <laughs> <laughs> like how that's so crazy to me too, because that's the thing that I feel like I'm always um, not sure when to follow up. Cause like everybody in show business is so moody or temperamental. Like, like one day <laughs> they could be like, you know, like, like right in there, they love you. They love your thing or whatever. And they're like, definitely call me next Tuesday. And then you call them next Tuesday and they just happen to be in a shit mood. <laughs> so they hate you, you know, whatever it is. Well, that's I can't why imagine I call having you to next do... Tuesday is a sort yeah, of a yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine having that situation and then having to figure out how to skate around it and be like, you remember me? I was, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I just felt... I was certain that, okay, I'll do this play for six weeks and then it'll be over and then I'll come back and audition. And right. life took another turn, which was lovely. But yeah, it would have been. How long were you writing before you auditioned for um, Second City, though? Because you, you've been working on this play the whole time. Was I started working on it uh, again with, with my friend Jerry. Um, I was in a uh, biology class at Northwestern mm -hmm. University in a, in a big, you know, 500 seat, you know, kind of class where right. in an auditorium and I'd be in the back row paying no attention whatsoever <laughs> writing scenes for this play. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause I sort of knew that it was highly unlikely that I was ever going to split an atom or dissect a frog, <laughs> but, uh, but I would know where to put the good joke, you know, or the right. character structure or whatever. So that's mm -hmm. sort of where I paid attention. And I, you know, Took yeah. the class pass fail, wrote most of the book on my lap board and barely nice. passed. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, feel like we had the same experience. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what? I feel like that's the advice that some need to hear though. Anytime I've I've I remember um, you know, when you were in school, you would get to these assemblies or whatever, and whoever the speaker was was just so not somebody I connected with. Because mm -hmm. they were like, Your ambitions and if you work hard, like, but it was always academically. Mm -hmm. And never anything that I could relate to. And I feel like that's actually what kids, some kids do need to hear is like, yeah, because uh, I was the same way. Like, I know, like, I sucked in math. And after a while, you know, I was good in science, but um, after a while, science just becomes more math. So then initially, I like sucked in that too. But I just kind of made peace with it where I was like, yeah, I'm never gonna, 
do any of that shit. And so I just concentrated on the things I like. Well, it's like, I mean, school, school just, there are many, you know, good things about an education as yes. we're seeing in the world now, education is needed, but, <laughs> but that, you know, doesn't always correlate with certain things in school. You know? Right. And I was thinking about this today. My, my car died today at a very, very I'm sad way. It, it needs a funeral. And I brought it in uh, to my mechanic who took a look at it and he said, I thought you were going to get rid of this piece of shit. <laughs> I blamed it on the supply chain, but that wasn't it. And, and, and I went back to, I have this, this sort of flashback often that when I was, you know, in junior high school, mm-hmm. I made a petition. I wanted to take auto shop. And for some reason, if you had a vagina, you couldn't take auto shop. You oh had to God. take sewing where I would make poncho wow. because it was just, you take a big <laughs> and I somehow knew with the age of 11 that I would never wear another poncho, but I might need to know how to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and right. God, I was right. You know, so it just makes me crazy that I, you know, I, I turn into a girl when it comes to cars and that makes me upset wow yeah it, i remember um my class for whatever reason i don't even know how anybody makes this decision but whatever my grade was we were the last ones to get home ec classes and uh <laughs> and like I, I didn't even know that was like a thing that they were getting rid of but i just remember like you know having to sew and and then learn also cooking and all that other shit and then when i would go to talk to people like who were you know behind us or whatever they'd be like what are you talking about <laughs> i'd be like you didn't have to build a birdhouse or fucking make a pillow or anything like that. And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, oh, wow. And even like any, like not even like uh, a car. Like we didn't get any car classes for us. It was, they didn't give a shit about whether we knew how to live at all. It was just like, <laughs> uh, can you figure out for X? And I'm like, no. Well, in New Jersey, aren't you essentially born driving? <laughs> Yeah, I think someone needs a getaway driver and it might as well be a five year old, you know. Yeah, I think they teach everybody in New Jersey how to drive so we can leave. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's they're like, you're not going to be able to afford to live here. So you should probably figure out how to get out of here. It's I've actually heard that New Jersey is the new Brooklyn. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, that really makes it in that in that Italians aren't taking care of the property they own. Yes. (laughs) because that is 100 percent accurate um yeah it's it's upsetting uh so so you did that play and you were you were writing that or whatever was that your like that's what kick-started your writing career like what did that how did that well, go it started my professional writing career sort of i mean mm-hmm. I, I i truly did wasn't very good but i wrote my first play when i was seven. Oh, wow. and i Beautiful. Wow. i realized what i what i used to do i I'm sounding like I hate education and I actually love education. <laughs> right. But I would fake being sick so that I could stay home from school and watch the Dick Van Dyke show in the afternoon reruns. The best. Yeah. And I just, and, and I became friends with Rosemary at the end of her life. No way. Yeah. And I, uh. and I used to, I remember saying to her once, you know, I, I would, I would pretend to my mom that I was sick so that I could stay home and watch your show. You know, and I just knew that I was going to be like you, that I was going to be like the girl in that room with the mm-hmm. guys. And all she said, you were smarter to do this. Because <laughs> that taught you much more than school ever would. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, I agree. And boy, did she have stories. I mean, her career until she died a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, her career started the night that the jazz singer debuted as the first talkie. Yeah, uh, a soundie with her as a little baby mm-hmm. was was also on the bill. 
Wow. I mean, that's how far, you know, wow. and, and yeah. her biggest fans was, was Al Capone. Oh, that I read. Yeah. And he, would, he would pick her up and she'd be like six, seven years old and she'd sing for the boys at dinner. Wow. And, wow. you know, I love, see, I, I, I just love talking to people who've been in this business because everybody has such strange stories. I know. And I, and I like that. And I feel like I don't, you know, I have mixed feelings about all this kind of stuff, but I feel like sometimes that's dying out in a, in a bit of a way. Cause I, as soon as you said that she was Al Capone's favorite, could you imagine if it was that kind of situation today, how traumatized quote unquote, somebody might be like, they would not have made it to oh. maybe where Rosemary, you know, uh, but who's comparable? I mean, maybe you, you'd, you'd play for the Republican GOP, and that's the right. of, of Capone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know, the White House correspondence dinner or whatever during a during a oh, you know. God. But um, yeah, you know, it's I really enjoyed when she joined. Um, obviously, she probably had somebody writing for her, but like, um, Twitter because I really kind of liked the how sweet and appreciative she was and surprised she was that she would get so many followers and i guess somebody was letting her know what kind of responses because like there was just it's very joyous i think at the time especially i think at that time anyway when things seemed so shitty you know what i mean like it was just nice to see somebody of her stature or whatever and just kind of enjoying uh you know whatever her well, the end of her i'm not the end of her career but you know she had that documentary coming out she seemed very appreciative yeah yeah she was so happy when the movie came out yeah and another another uh, similar performer was an amazing documentary about that's that same sort of career where it was great career you know always worked did broadway did tv did movies but never quite at the a level is there's a fantastic documentary about Kay ballard oh really yeah what's it called it's just, you see i i'm not sure what it's called um oh. i saw it uh, during the during during the last uh, zombie apocalypse that we just went through, <laughs> and um, I love that your show is called Dystopia. I just Thank love you. It because this is that's where we are. Oh I yeah, mean, we have to own it. We have to try to make it better, but we have to totally. Own I it. I agree. That's why I felt like if you just steer right, I, I like to steer into shit. Like no matter what yeah. it is, like I'm like if I'm depressed, I'm like here we go. We're taking this ride, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever it is. And and your opening credits. I want to have you know just angry sex to your opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best compliment I've gotten on those on the opening credits. I love that. Oh, it's just great. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I may that is that is genuinely the best uh, <laughs> response I've gotten to it. That is one of the biggest compliments we've had of it. We've had some good compliments, but <laughs> we, that's we really great. have. And that is that that fucking got me right in the gut. That's great. I really, I it's crazy as you're talking because you, we have a lot in common, especially with the school and stuff. And and the, I have, um, I love the Dick Van Dyke show. I always say the Dick Van Dyke oh, show cool. is what made me want to pretend to be a writer. Oh, cool. totally. Like and that. everyone has told him that. Yes. You no, know, you yeah. tell him that, and he has that look in his eye, like, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. This is the ninth person today who's told me that, but it's the truth. Right. Um, I I wrote a tribute to him once. He got a lifetime achievement award, and Conan presented to him and I wrote this speech for Conan and never met him before, still never really met him. And I was told, oh, he's going to change everything. And he didn't change a syllable, but it was wow. just, you know, we all dreamed of being in that room. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the smartest, funniest people around. Yep. And, and God bless Carl Reiner. God bless those writers who, yeah. uh, some, you know, one of whom was Gary Marshall, who yes. you know, discovered me and brought me out here. 
and um you know and and uh and that cast i mean that cast was just impeccable and Dick's still doing it i know i love that man i i'm trying i've been trying so hard to get him Uh, i first of all i've been trying to meet him for like the longest time when i first moved out to la um i met with uh my manager had set me up with um uh Lori Jonas who's uh, you know I don't know if you know Lori Jonas is but she does like Jonas she's a PR yeah. person and yes PR my friend Jeff uh is Abram yeah yeah yes he's, okay he's great over. yeah yeah so then he just got us a guest we just got Ron James and uh Kelly Carlin mm-hmm. not too long ago but they but I got to go hang out there or whatever and she kind of took me on a little bit or whatever but she gave, she told me where Dick lived and she was like I think he I think he, you'd get along like so just drive over there and if he's you know and I was like, you really let me know where he lives? I don't even know I should be saying this on the show. Uh, <laughs> I, but I drove out to Malibu. Of course, he was at like di- like he was somewhere doing something awesome at the time or whatever. But I just thought how insane it was that I drove into the area hoping I'd be like, has anybody seen Dick Van Dyker? Um, but he wasn't there. And then you he's know. a lovely, lovely man. He's uh, married to an amazing woman. And, and she seems lovely too. Yeah. He's a he's a sweetheart. And oh, awesome. he's He's one, he's one of those rare celebrities that, first of all, everyone in the world loves. I yes. think, I think ISIS loves him, you know, <laughs> and, and um, you know, if it's, I think if, if it ever came down to like the entire country being nuked, if we showed them, you know, Dick Van Dyke's here, we'd be safe, you know? Oh yeah. But, um, but he's, he is that guy, mm-hmm. you know, another interesting thing about being in this business is you work with lots of people and you find out that some people are just who you want them to be mm. and others are something <laughs> else. You know? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And, it, and that's the b- best part too is when you find out they are exactly who they like, you know, who was somebody who was just as perfectly curmudgeonly wonderful was uh, Ed Asner. Who, uh, <laughs> he was exactly who you wanted him to be or you imagined him to be when when you when you got to talk to him and meet him and stuff and and that was that was like a nice surprise um, i've been i've been watching old uh, mary tyler moore shows nice uh also wonderful and many of them written by my dear friend Rita silverman oh yeah and and just uh, a lot of the i mean those shows hold up they mm-hmm. you know they yeah. were a little more topical than dick van dyke dick van dyke totally holds up yeah maybe three topical jokes in the five years that show was on. Right. And invariably they're Kennedy jokes, which are sort of funny. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which everybody kind of still goes, Oh yeah, that's good. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's amazing how well that show holds up. I've showed it to my friends um, who would, or, you know, they're kind of skeptical. They're like, Oh, it's in black and white and it's an old sitcom. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up and watch it. You know? And when they do, they just, they can't help but laugh. And I'm like, exactly. That's oh, they're brilliant. Game. They're just, yeah. they're, they're so well-written and there's a few, I mean, you know, again, God bless Carl Reiner. They're, 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 they were making, you know, racial equality points. Yeah. In 1963. Yep. You know, other shows weren't doing that. Yeah. yeah. Was the first time they did was it the one where they accidentally dye their hands? Yeah. I yeah. love that one. They accidentally dye their hands black and they're supposed to go to a racial equality. Yeah, that award. was such a good and, episode. And now it's 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 kind of quaint, but in sure. 1963, you know, yeah. that was that was radical stuff and then there's the other one where they think they have the wrong baby. The wrong baby. Oh my and, god. And Greg that was Greg Morris's uh joke where yep. he comes in with his wife and that was that laugh was so long they had to cut it 
Wow. That I didn't know. Holy shit. Yeah. And it's just, you know, the networks were very, very, very nervous about that. And it's just, what a great joke. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, he opens the door to look at Dick's I, face. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, why didn't you tell me on the phone? And Morris goes, and miss the expression on your face. Right. Another great thing, which is giving, you know, stars who are secure enough to give a laugh that big. Oh, yeah. Somebody who's got an under five part. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. when you get a classic show is right. when everybody is allowed to shine and not just, you know, set up the person whose name is on the title. Right. Um, I want to go back to you. You'd mentioned Gary Marshall was the one who kind of brought you out. So how did that uh, relationship begin? Okay. As I said before, I, uh, I'm a wild cat. I went to mm -hmm. Northwestern and as did Gary. And uh, I had a wonderful professor who was a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, uh, Bob Bakerney. And Bob knew Gary, and he brought Gary to campus to teach, you know, talk about TV writing. This, you know, mm -hmm. this is when he was the king of television and he was just starting to go into movies. Wow. And um, a couple of students, myself included, uh, got invited to be in some seminars with him where he'd give us, like, you know, an old Happy Days script or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we would just sit and we'd do a table. And he teaches how to do a table and how to wow. you know, break a scene and how to make this better. And at the time I was doing <laughs> one of the foolish things I did in my teenage years is a lot of improvisation. You, know? <laughs> you, you do it, you hope your parents don't find out and you grow past <laughs> it. But um, so I, you know, I, I was in the Northwestern uh, Meow Show, which is a famous, famous you know, comedy review, mm -hmm. uh, very, you know, in those days, very second city. And, but it was one of those sort of things where it would be like, you know, 19 boys and two girls. Right. We'd spend most of the time when we'd be on stage, you know, beating us up, you know? <laughs> so I, I started a, a group. I, I did a show called really original title broadside. Get it. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> And it was, it wasn't the opposite. I just tried it with four, four guys and four girls. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys in it, his first improv show was Gary Kroger, who went on to do SNL. Yeah. Wow. There was Ira Glass. Oh my God. No way. National Public Radio. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and we did the show and, and I, I, you know, wrote uh, most of the sketches and I directed it and I was one of the four women and Gary came to see it. Wow. And he pulled me aside afterwards. And we were in this little Quonset hut on North Campus that mm -hmm. had been like a crunchy granola coffee house years before and had been sitting, you know, fallow since hippies went somewhere else. And <laughs> um, uh, and he just started talking to me and he said, OK, this scene worked and this is why it worked. And this was the, this was your best line. And that he just remembered everything. Wow. With this incredible photographic memory. And occasionally you'd go, okay, this line worked, but it would have been better like if you'd put a pause here or a comma here or, you know, you know, call it a chicken instead of a dog or whatever. Right. And he spent so much time with me. And then I told him I was writing this play and he said, uh, I'm, I'll be, I'll be in town in, in six months and I'll come see it. And I said, well, wow. it's only going to run for six weeks and I'll never forget this. He said, you wrote it. It'll be running. Wow. And it was. And and uh, shortly, sometime thereafter, I got a phone call from him one day and he just said, hello, you're ready. 
Wow. I need you you in LA in a month. I'm putting you at the time. um, He put me on Laverne and Shirley and he said, I'm putting you on this show because you're nice. He goes, everybody (laughs) there hates everybody. He goes, they will, they will call you shithead. They will throw a chair at you. Don't worry. worry." (laughs) And God bless him. That's how my career got started out here. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you prefer, I mean, uh, cause I still want to go into the writing stuff, but I know you've written for individual comedians. I have uh, usually, usually special material or, right. or if they're appearing in a, I write a lot of award shows and galas mm. and things like that. Yeah. And then you've also them. been in the writer's room. Yes. I've, I've done, I've done the latter. I've written for comedians individually and I've gotten like, you know, I'm usually just doing it by myself for the most part, mm-hmm. like any kind of TV show thing, whatever it is, they'll send you a packet and you do it. I've never been in a writer's room collaboratively. Collaboratively, Do you like one better than the other? Is there a difference in joke? You know, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, the great thing, and I know you know this just because you're a comic and, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you, you've done a lot of things like we were talking about that, that, um, event you did with oh, like, yeah. comics just the you know when when there are that many funny people in a room it changes the oxygen mm-hmm. and and also we're very competitive people and it yes. gets your adrenaline going right. you know so i i did a table once for a steve martin movie and wow. and uh it was just you know bing boom bam boom you know and 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 <laughs> And, and it was so much fun mm-hmm. because, you know, everybody came with their little crib sheets because we'd all read the script. And it's like, well, I think maybe here, well, about <laughs> a minor bird might be funny, you know. Right. But but the minute, you know, somebody throws something out, then somebody tops it, then somebody tops it, then somebody tops wow. it. And then, you know, somebody breaks the moment and, and then you start with a new one. And it's just, it's an energy that is so thrilling mm-hmm. when it goes well. Wow. You know, and there are also moments where things, you know, die the death of a dog. But, <laughs> but you have to, you know, you have to own that as well. You know, is, you, have to, you have to own when you really stink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That's just almost you know. necessary, even for your own ego, uh, yeah. to be like, I fucking suck tonight. Um, <laughs> is there, uh, is there like a scribe in the room? Like who's, who yeah. is it? Or, okay. yeah, there's always, and, 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 you know, those are writing assistants, which have become such hot, hot, hot jokes, you know, yeah. very talented, talented young comic. I know Amelia Bross started mm. out in the Veep writer's room in the last season of the show. She was in on the staff, you know? Oh, wow. And, uh, but yeah, that's a hard job because again, you, you, you're, you're, you're soothing the savage beasts. Right. You know? And um, what was fun about, you know, when you have the honor of doing that for somebody like Steve, who was running things, you know, you'll say something sometime and then all of a sudden he'll stand up and he'll start doing it or miming it or making it happen. Right. And it's like, I have this seat where I'm watching the smartest, funniest man in the world, you know, and it's something that I had a seed of, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's orgasmic, you know, it's just, it's so thrilling to see comedy happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, and, and, and sitting in a room, you know, the difference between sitting in a room is you don't have that adrenaline from other people. So you have to find some sort of way, which, yeah, 
to me usually comes after scrubbing toilets or something because I yeah. don't want to look at my computer screen and solve anything else. Yep, I know. Um, that's that's always the interesting part is who who who's around you like I I've, I've literally I think at some point when when my regular you know when my core group of friends isn't around for me to bounce shit off of if I'm doing anything like that I like start going through like my third grade yearbook and I'm like who yeah. haven't I spoken to yeah <laughs> that could ignite a fire real quick well, you don't have braces anymore okay okay yeah, yeah I'm right. like why are you calling did somebody we know die I'm like no just you know just I was on wondering I was thinking about you know a chicken. Uh, some, some Thai food and a sofa. You know, <laughs> can you go with me on this? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they're like, "Who is it? <laughs> what?" Oh, that's awesome. So you were doing Laverne and Shirley. What was your net? Was it just? Would you go from series to series after that, or did you try to do your own stuff? Because you never I did. I did after that. Um, I I did some episodes for uh, some Norman Lear shows, and nice. I did a pilot for him. That was 40 years ahead of its time. He basically hired me in the 80s to write what now belongs on TikTok. And there was there was no room for that then. There was no understanding of it. Wow. You know? So unfortunately, um, it was an, an amazing experience, but it was just way ahead of its time. And I'm actually trying to think of a way of bringing it back now because now there are places where something this odd might work that's cool. and you this is something you and he collab like you you kind of worked out he together. had an idea for what he wanted the format to be mm -hmm. and i created it and the the character and and this and that that's incredible and that was that was fun nice. and i'm i'm working for uh tomorrow um ann slichter and i wonderful wonderful comedy writer ann slichter uh, we wrote the Sentinel Awards, which are airing tomorrow. Oh, on, nice! On the World Wide Web, where all the shows <laughs> are. <laughs> you know, that's that's where Lucy would have been today. She would yeah, <laughs> yeah. She would have Especially been with TikTok. Um, it's funny. I feel like there's a lot of uh, comedies that I've seen that have a a genuine problem, kind of writing in in a natural way the social media stuff like Snapchat, but the two that I think that have done it the best so far, I don't know if you've seen Ted Lasso yet. Oh, right. Right. One of the best shows I uh, just on TV now, but like in the last, I don't know, six, seven years, like it's so good. All I need to do to, to live the rest of my life happy is find out that somewhere centuries ago, I share some DNA with Brett Goldstein. Yeah. Right. That's all I care about, <laughs> you know, because I understand that. I, I, but people now are kind of because there's always this when something mm -hmm. somebody loves, like, oh, it's not that good anymore. Fuck you, it's great. I know exactly. It's, it's, I like it's brilliant writing, right? Brilliant I, characters, brilliant performing. It never goes the way you think it's going to go. Yep, exactly. Which is so amazing. That's my favorite thing is watching something like that, and then the minute my brain goes, oh, okay, they're going to drag this out, and they don't. Like it stops short. Like they immediately have the characters like hash something out real quick. I'm like, holy fuck, like, this is amazing. Where are they going to go? With, you know, what are they going to do now? Um, and the, 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 the thing with the like they do the texting really well. They don't, they don't have to like, it's so integrated well with that. And then also um, only murderers in the only murders in the building does the texting kind of, you know, social link really, really well. Others like make a blatant, like they just kind of say it. Like I'm using the Snapchat now, and you're just like, oh God, that is not how any of us. <laughs> We're talking now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like Jesus Christ. But but yeah, no lasso is is. 
I, I came into it late. I started watching it uh, shortly before the second season began. Same. So um, my husband and I, I think, I think we watched the first season over two views. Yeah. Because we couldn't stop. Same. You know? It was just too good. And yeah. And that's like, you know, what's cool about that too is, well, obviously Jason Sudeikis is incredible, but Bill Lawrence, who was behind it, you know, uh, I was a huge fan of Scrubs. Yeah. And I feel like that show was brilliant and I think still underrated, but like, it's the same kind of, it's, I think it's very hard to do nice. Like they're nice. It's nice comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even mean like, I love the other kind too. Cause Jason Sudeikis can turn, you know, a snarky remark, either it, it being definitely cutting, but the way he plays Ted Lasso is it just rolls off of him in just this very affable way. And I think that's the difference. And it's, it's just very sweet. I'm, I'm going to say something that might, you know, might, pour a big load of, you know, syrup on the screen. And I apologize in advance. Do it. One of the many things I really do like about that show mm -hmm. is that it is so smart and so funny and so positive. Yeah. Agreed. It's nice. And I don't want everything to be that. No. But, but again, going back to the, the dystopian hellscape that is all of our lives, everything right now, yeah, I, I can't imagine. It's it's almost as if one demonic person showed up about five years ago, and suddenly everything is dark <laughs> and evil and nasty. I don't know, but yeah. if you, but that would be too unrealistic. That right? Yeah, no, I can't imagine. That, yeah. You sound crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cut Snap the interview. Yeah, <laughs> I won't have that talk. But, but 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 yeah, I mean there there are there are things there are times when comedy can be positive and mm -hmm. can be nice and yeah. can be. You know, uh, so there's, you know, uh, again, you know, Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore, you know, those kinds yeah. of things. Those shows were hilarious mm -hmm. and, and they were, they were built on love. Yeah. You and know? It's, and that's what I think is like my friends and I are like the same way. It's crazy because we do have the same, we grew up on Scrubs and mm -hmm. then, um, but that was one of the first shows I think I watched. Cause I love that 70s show too. Like that was a good one, but that wasn't like, but when we had Scrubs, it was one of those moments where like you're watching that show where you would be fucking belly over, like just gut bust laughing. And then they'd have you crying two seconds. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'd just be in tears and I'd be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And it was, I love that combination. You don't get that a lot. I grew up on no scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So what, so, so you did, um, you never did stand up, right? You just did the improv. I never, I've, I've done stand up twice in my life mm -hmm. and I want it. And I, and I'm actually putting more sets together. What nice. I do is when I do one woman shows, mm -hmm. this is sort of, I'm sort of channeling. I'm, I'm very into nostalgia right now. I'm sort of channeling the Ed Sullivan show. I, <laughs> there are lots of jokes, lots of comedy, but then I sing. Oh, nice. Sometimes I sing, you know, songs and sometimes I sing funny songs that I write or that I rewrite cause I don't write music. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I've rewritten a lot of songs Nice. and, um, you know, and, and a lot of it is political. A lot of it is feminist, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but so, but, but, you know, I mean, if you come to one of my shows, there's lots and lots and lots of comedy and lots of jokes, but I, I've never, again, with two exceptions, uh, been on stage where I've, I've just talked mm -hmm. and I really like it actually. Yeah. And um, I have a lot of material and I'm just looking for some time to, you know, put it together and do more of that and, and sort of ease some of, some of the music out a little bit.
Nice. What's your favorite song that you've kind of rewritten, you know, and, and used? Um, well, let's see. In the last election, uh, you know, you know the song um, "You'll You'll Be Gone" from Hamilton. Oh yeah, yeah. I I excuse me, you'll be back. I, I wrote it. Right, you'll yeah. be gone, and it was it was about that guy. And oh nice. I did a whole thing with green screen and this and that, and just <laughs> about how. What I basically said is, um, you know, uh, you say the number of votes won't determine if you walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the lyric, but it was basically saying that that you you, you know you you'll never concede and you'll you know pretend that you lost. Mm. What was I thinking? And, <laughs> and you know, but you're gonna you're gonna lose and you'll be gone. You know. Yeah. And uh, you'll you'll be gone. Can't ignore when Bill Barr's disbarred. Can't bar the door. You know that sort of thing. That's awesome. And then um, two of my favorites are uh, because I I. I love boomer humor. You know? <laughs> I have the, the middle age of Aquarius, which is now the old age of Aquarius. <laughs> and um, uh, Carol King parody uh, about plastic surgery and the women in my neighborhood of unnatural oh, women, you know. That's great. So, yes. Did you find it? You know, I was watching. Um, did you see the CNN documentary that they did? Uh, or not, it wasn't a documentary, I guess, but it was the series that they did about. Um, like a history of the sitcom, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, because I was, you know, talking to people about it or whatever, and they were kind of surprised, either annoyed at how many times they referenced some kind of political aspect to the show. And I think it's funny that people missed it while they were watching it. Yeah. Um, Because I saw it growing up, you know, those themes and those constant mentions, that kind of stuff. But I think it was maybe subtler. Were you guys... You know, was it harder to write where you had to be, where you had to sneak it in almost like subversively into the episodes as opposed to now where I feel like when you're writing stuff, you can be way more blatant about it? Well, yes and no. It, 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 again, it depends on the characters. And I, I never write a joke just because, you know, now I want to write a joke about cheese. You know, I, I always write something <laughs> that's going to be funny coming out of a specific person's mouth. Right. You know, you can't write a joke for Ted Lasso that you would write for Rebecca. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, because they're very different people, mm-hmm. you know. So it's so so if you have somebody's honest perspective, <clears throat> you can you can say things as they would say them that that depending on, you know, how they see the world can sneak in something <clears throat> that isn't quite as blatant. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's just like anything else. It's 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 the sixty four Crayolas in the box. It's <clears throat> excuse me. It's fun to color with them all. Nice. You that's know? a good way to and put that's it. Sort of how I feel about writing. I never I never like to do the same thing all the time. Right. Is there a certain kind of like? Do you do anything in between? Because um, you've written for so. I mean, I could actually almost really want to just list them out. But you've written for so many different comedians and for different occasions. And you each and they each have a very specific like I've noticed, like in that list that you have, everybody's got a very particular voice and a particular delivery style. Is there anything you do for yourself to kind of go like how close in between writing for somebody do you have to switch and go, you know, I'm doing Lily Tomlin. Now I'm doing Steve Martin. Now I'm doing something for Paul McCartney. Like, is it or is it just easy for you at this point where you're just like, I got this, like I can figure out their voice? Well, it's just you have to know what their voice is. Sure. You know, so so the the, the people you've named, 
you know, they've given me lessons my entire life mm. and what they sound like. And, right. and Lily, Lily's hard because when I've written for Lily, I've written for Lily. Right. And she doesn't enjoy being Lily as much as she enjoys being the 6,000 characters that she does so brilliantly. Right. And the thing that has always blown me away about her that I don't think I've, I've never seen anyone else do is mm -hmm. you know, she, she'll be like this and then she'll move, you know, her eye, eyebrow, you know, mm -hmm. 40 degrees and she's a completely different person. Yeah. You I know, know what you mean. It's just this staggering brilliance and it's always true mm -hmm. and it's always dimensional. And that's why it's interesting that they're bringing back the search for signs of intelligent life with Cecily strong. Because, yeah. Because the, I've told this to Lily the first time I saw it, I cried so hard watching it. I had to come back mm. later that week because I'd missed too much. Wow. You know, because it was just so staggering. And and um, she called me once and I, I almost drove off the road because she was like, I want you to write this thing for me. And, and um, you know, I said, you know, you're married to like the best writer who's ever lived, you know? <laughs> and, and she said, well, she, she does brilliant things for me, but, you know, you can do this. And, um, you wow. know, and... And she's just, you know, amazing, amazing. And, and, and on again, honest and vulnerable really get to me. Yeah. Because I think, you know, there, there are a lot of comics uh, that can come on stage and, and, and they like to proclaim that they are a character mm -hmm. and that, you know, oh, I'm nothing like the person I am on stage. And invariably, I don't find that as interesting as someone who's just really being true to themselves. Yeah. You know, and that, and that can be, you know, as as sweet, you know, as Steve Martin can be or as caustic as Lenny Bruce can be. Mm -hmm. But both of them have, you know, this amazing vulnerability. Uh, is there anybody that you haven't gotten to write for that you really wanted to like a missed mm -hmm. up, you know? Well, there's lots of people. <laughs> the cast of Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> we'll just send out everything we've said that about yes. him. That's amazing. We'll just like exactly. Yeah. Um, Brett, I'm your cousin. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> um, off the top of my head, no. But but you know, every every day somebody you know pops up and it's like, mm. oh, I'd love to write for that person or. You know? And I never, I never actually wrote for Paul, for Sir, Sir Paul. He read something that I had written about the history of, of part of his life that he oh, just wow. really, really liked. And he said, oh. well, you got it. You got it right. You know, I, re I really love it. So that was real nice. That, that's a nice way to meet your idol. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah, still there with saliva drooling on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So you also do your cabaret stuff. How much um, is do you, do you find it like not that you would get annoyed, but like, is there stuff in projects that you wanted to work on for yourself, like where you find yourself concentrating on maybe other comedians and other comedians work and stuff like that, where you're like, man, I really need time to do my thing. Do you find that frustrating or do you make your own time? You know, everything is the best thing in life is being too busy. Mm. The worst yeah. thing in life is having, I have three days to write this thing. <laughs> no, 
what's that on the on the Netflix? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just watch a little bit of this this you know this Squid Game thing. You know, oh dude, the Squid uh, <laughs> Game shit! Holy mother of God! I mean that. If, yeah, we were just talking about that's, that. That's who I want to write for. I want to write Squid Game <laughs> musical. <laughs> can you not dub it because i did that's frustrating the shit out of me yeah yeah that would be fun you know yeah. but um but but yeah just to just not avoid your question um when when you're really busy sometimes things get a little crazy yeah like i'm having a really really crazy week this week and my car deciding to die on me was was a was a sad moment right but uh and i had a little nutty earlier today i was like no <laughs> but um but you know you you know it's it's sort of like keep going you know mm -hmm. the cops are coming through the door but keep going you know and and that's that's the fun yeah. you know and it's and it's just um a lot of times i i think of the guys who used to have the plates spinning on the poles you know oh yeah you just got to keep all the plates spinning and yeah. that's takes a lot of energy but when you do it it's you know it works <laughs> yeah so um, I, I do need to perform more and I, and I must put this set together. Cause I, 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 I do have the material and I've used bits of it in, in my live shows. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to be, I'm actually, I I've been asked to perform in London uh, next month, be which next I'm question. excited about. Cause it's just, this is so dorky, but it's like you're back, you know, in gym in second grade and, you know, where no one would pick me because who would want this person on your team? <laughs> no. no, I understand. No. But um, but uh, I this is just the goofiest thing. I've been asked to be in a concert uh, in the West End of Godspell. Oh, my God. Which is just hilarious because wow. I've always loved that musical, you know, it's just yeah. this dorky wonder. I, I, I'm very into the sixties and the seventies mm -hmm. and that's just a great thing from that moment in time. And then I do a, a lot. My cabaret has a lot of sixties stuff in it. I, I, I do a show called how groovy girls save the world. And oh, it's nice. about all these wonderful, you know, Dusty Springfield, Carol King, Laura Nero, Joni Mitchell, right. Leslie Gore, Carly Simon, you know, and, and, and how, uh, Mama Cass can't forget her, um, yeah. <laughs> how they changed the world for women. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's, there's, a, you know, a lot of ridiculously wonderful old music in it, it's always about now and how mm -hmm. it affects now. Right. And, um, because I also think, you know, I, I love keeping up with, you know, what people are doing now. But I also I just I'm I'm a pop historian and and I yeah. like you know sort of looking at great people. Yeah, and I you know I I feel like I've always been um this is gonna this is gonna sound wrong, but I've always I feel like I've always been old like in in that like even when I was like because my because my mom basically was the one who like I love you know. 60s, 70s, 80s music. I love, you know, my, my friends used to get into my car in high school if they were borrowing it to go to lunch. And whatever was blown out on the radio was like, you know, uh, something from, you know, uh, Linda Ronson. You know what I mean? Like something like, they'd be like, what the fuck? You know, it wasn't Eminem or anything like that, you know, growing up, which I like. But again, like, I just like, you know, Joni Mitchell and all that stuff too. Um, and I was watching the Fran Lebowitz documentary and uh, she had said something that I just loved because she was like, you know, um, 
young younger people today run up to me and they always ask me what the 60s and 70s were like and she goes <laughs> when i was younger we didn't run up to anybody old than us and go what were the 30s and 40s? you know <laughs> like like what i think it's depression <laughs> exactly. and that march towards fascism you know yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that does speak to like, you know, I mean, not to say that we don't have great artists and stuff like that today, but it is, it was you know, real special. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, and the eighties were just, you know, I mean, I found all these pictures. I, I, I sort of went through a wham period, you know, <laughs> where I, I sort of looked like I was, I was trying to channel, you know, George Michael and it was, mm. it, it was wrong on every level, but you know. <laughs> now I want to see those photos you you know that, there, right? you know, with, with the, the shoulder pads and the t-shirt and the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the magenta that glowed in the dark and all that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay. <laughs> Wait, my, to shut me up, they would put on, um, wake me up before you go go because i yeah. think that was right around the time like i used to sit in front of the tv and front of watch mtv and like wait for that and one time i think my mother had recorded it and so when i was being too chatty which i always was as a kid they were just like jesus shut the fuck you know and they'd pop in that tape and i would just be like <laughs> that's like the song that used to drive people crazy he was great yeah just great and you know well, even those documentaries that you see on like the 60s and 70s and shit like that like you know um but the ones that the Laurel Canyon, like oh, all that stuff, it just seems like a uh, very unique period in time that that doesn't happen anymore. I'm gonna do a Laurel Canyon cabaret, and I'm. Gonna, I mean, that takes you everywhere from, you know, Frank Zappa to to Mickey yeah. Dolenz to to Joni Mitchell and Carol. Yep. King, you know, it's just Graham Nash. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's just amazing to think that all those people were essentially neighbors and, you know, right. Can I, can I borrow a cup of mescaline? Sure. Why not? And then, you know, and, you know. Was there, was there any equivalent to that in the comedy community and writer in the writing community back then? Um, well, I wasn't think, around back then. No, I know, I know, but you said, but I'm just, I'm speaking but, to the historian but, in you because I don't well, even know, like, well, well yes. Hmm. I mean, I mean, there certainly was, you know, in um, in in the Second City community uh, and all, all the Chicago people, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's an extended family. Sure. And um, you know, I mean, I've I've talked to I talked to David Steinberg, and a I little just did bit a print interview him. with him. Yeah, God, I worshipped him. Yeah, just, he's great. And Robert Klein, who I think is one of the funniest men who've ever lived. Absolutely. And I've and I've talked about this a little bit with with Jay Leno as well. Who he's just, I mean, he's a comedy evangelist. You yes. Know? Just, there's nothing else in the, you know, he likes cars, but comedy is, <laughs> is, is the only thing in the world. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me how these people, you know, at a time when things were so competitive, there was still a sense of, you know, well, we're all going to, you know, it's, it's that Broadway Danny Rose thing, you know, we're yeah. all going to meet. In those days, it was the deli, you know. Oh, sure. We're gonna, you know, talk till three in the morning, and that's why so many comics have tried to bring that to TV, and sometimes it's worked, right? Um, because again, you know, comics talking to other comics is funny and interesting and energetic, and in a perfect world, it's supportive, you know. Sure. That there are times when you know the competition can get a little tight, you know. Right. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, um, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, you know, compassion and and uh, trying to raise each other up, you know, mm -hmm. 
for most people there are there, you know, there's a, there's a, I try not to concentrate on the people, right. who are, you know, a show lays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the smartest thing to do. Cause otherwise you get yeah. like, you can get wrapped up in that kind of shit and it seems, uh, horrible. Yeah. I like the idea. I like the, uh, the dichotomy between, um, <laughs> the Laurel Canyon thing of like all the musicians kind of having this hippie wonderland and comedians having cats deli <laughs> or, yeah, or like, exactly. <laughs> like you know, granola or pastrami. It's, <laughs> you know. But, but comedy, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny that I'm talking about nice comedy because in an, in an odd way that's so diametrically opposed to what's funny. I mean, you know, yeah. pain is funny. What, mm -hmm. you know, our, our insecurities and our depression and all the things that make us, you know, dorky and, and, and unfit for human company yeah. is what make us funny, mm -hmm. but it also does create a community. Yeah. You know, it's weird because I feel like now, especially with, you know, um, kind of everything that's going on and the, you know, I guess, you know, um, maybe not comedy is not necessarily fractured, but you know what I mean? There seem to be like, you know, just with the recent thing with Chappelle and all that other stuff, like I've always felt that comedy was inclusive in that, you know, um, you're like everybody was up for grabs for being made fun of. But when you took it in stride, that was the inclusiveness of it. Like everybody got a hit. Everybody got a thing. And now I feel like over the last maybe 10 years or whatever, it's grown into you cannot say anything about a b c and d and i feel like that separates people do you feel like you know what i'm saying like i don't i'm not saying like i understand the difference between like a cruelty kind of a thing and and doing that kind of shit but i also feel like if you separate yourself from being uh able to be made fun of observationally or kind of just ribbed a little bit it creates a really bad vibe i don't know if that makes sense like you know well, what I'm two things i think about that because again you know, I live in the world and I want to be a decent person. Same, yeah. I want to show compassion and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reason I'm funny is that, you know, essentially I love myself, but I hate myself. I just hate myself. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, and an awful lot of my comedy surprise is, is self-deprecating. Mm -hmm. And that works Same. for me. Yeah. It, it, it it makes me feel better and it makes other people laugh. And that, mm -hmm. that works for me. There are times when, when it, it's one thing, if you make a joke about somebody else, mm -hmm. and again, I'm not going to, there, there's a whole thing about context, which, which we don't always look at. Right. Of course, you know, you know, whatever this topic is, there's a way of getting into this topic. That's just nasty and mean and a waste of time and cruel and Absolutely. There's a way of getting into it with a, with the right context where it might be enlightening. Or, or, a t or let's say a teaching moment as mm -hmm. well as a laughing moment, but that's a different conversation. But if I'm saying something about myself and somebody else is, you know, tells me that it, it upsets them because of, of something, you know, that is, is an issue for them. I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel we need to be honest about our own story and I'm, I'm not looking to hurt anybody else. Agreed. By, by in you know showing some you know some side of myself or illuminating a part of my screwed upness. Yeah, know? yeah. No, I know what you mean, and it's weird because it's like you know anytime I I don't I don't mind reading anything about comedy or a comic or comics in general, but I I loathe and detest when somebody writes a piece 
and goes, I stopped watching whatever it is at the, and it's like, I don't want to hear your review then. You know what I mean? Like if you're not getting the full context of something mm -hmm. in order to, you know, really write a review on it, then, then what's the point? And then the other side of that too, is I find when people write, like they always say comedians or comics in general can't take criticism. And I always think that's exactly, I More always laugh. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm like, that's insane. To, but, but it is, it's a funny way to, you know, for that narrative on the other side of it, people who aren't involved in it or don't necessarily like it at all, kind of like to say, because it makes us look like, you know, it's, it's just tit for tat shit. Right. But I find it interesting because it's like, we, we always take it like in, in we're, we're like the epitome of rejection in life. And then also in this business. Um, but the funny thing is I find that the way stuff's written now about comedy in general is like, it's never from like, this is my take. I didn't like, and what I thought it's, uh, here's what it was. If you disagree with it, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you know? And then you're just like, fuck, I didn't know I was in it. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I enjoyed this thing. I feel like it's such a weird shift. And it's, I, I don't know if you find that. I, I think in an odd way, this goes back to what we said at the very beginning of, mm -hmm. of your show being called dystopia. If you look at, look at the 20th century, you know, <laughs> it started, we thought like the worst thing we thought that was going to happen was that all our computers were going to stop working. The best thing that could ever happen. But right. you know, so, so the year starts and, you know, there's the 2000 election, which was a nightmare. And then there's, you know, 9-11, which was a nightmare. Yeah. And you just you go through this. This has been a century to deal with. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, over the last few years uh, and I, I can't imagine how this has happened, but, you know, we 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 are just bringing up hatred every day. And, yeah. and there, there are a couple of things that really make me crazy about trying to read anything, trying to learn anything. You know, rule number one, if you see anything that that purports to be news or information if it has the the words this could happen this might happen this may happen about you know a politician a celebrity mm. a, a, a vaccine whatever right if those words are in it it's garbage yes <laughs> you know, because that's just clickbait you know do this and you might grow four skulls you know <laughs> you know and and i might not you know right or, or i might you know end up looking like you know, Sharon Stone tomorrow, you know, <laughs> and, and that's fine by me. But, um, you know, so, so we're, because everyone needs to, to somehow rise above the 50 million other things that are online, you have to get meaner, you have to get louder, you have to get crazier, and you have right. to have something in there that is going to make people want to see this because number two is really scary. Always, whatever the story is, number two is always scary. Right. And that's number, true. Number two is usually number two. And, um, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of, of uh, this. This is not about deciding that facts are fake. This is about deciding that we don't get to hear facts. Yeah. You know, and that, and that, what is there's there's been sort of a plan to if, if you get people not to believe anything then you can sell them anything wow yeah that's a really good way to put it 
you know, and, and, you know, it, 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 it pisses. I mean, this is where I'm going in a real tangent away from comedy here. I'm sorry, but no, it's fine. This is great. It, 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 it makes me angry that, that buying anything online is easier and more secure than voting. Oh yeah. You know, why is that? Well, because selling stuff is more important to us than people's votes being counted. Yeah. Everything they tell you you can't do yeah. when it benefits you politically, you seem to be able to do in every other aspect of life. Right. Right. You know, so it's like I'm sort of watching what's going on and it's like, oh, yeah. you know, so. I think the worst, too, is that we've all become way more aware of it. There's no way not to be like yeah. we, and it's hard to kind of like, you know, live your life while knowing that, you know, there's all this other shit actually working against you where before when you didn't have any of this, you were just like everything's coming up me, you know, <laughs> like it didn't matter. And and the, the other side of this sort of thing though, is, is I am so like, like the, I, I, damn, I wish I could think of her name, but I was sent a, a an Australian comedy festival video Ooh. of a transgender woman comic was the funniest thing I've seen in years. Oh, I wonder who you know, that could be. Um, I want inclusion in yes. comedy. You know, that's the other thing. I I don't want us to be all set against each other. Right. You no, know, I I I want to see everybody. I want to hear everybody's stories. I want to I want everybody to make us laugh. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, again, cliche number 41, but it's true. <laughs> you know, when you laugh, you learn things. Oh when yeah. You bought something, it's like, I'm not gonna listen to that. Right. Oh yeah, it's the best. Laughter is the best delivery system yeah. for anything like that because you're just thinking about it days and days after. Yeah, and it's layered. And that's what we need, and sometimes doing that is going to offend someone. Mm -hmm. And whereas I'm not, I have no patience for you know. Well, I'm going to come out here and I'm just going to piss everybody off because right. that's going to show me that I'm edgy. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's annoying. Crap. But. But you have to, it's, it's, you know, again, you, you have to cross lines. Yeah. You have to, because then you find out what's, you know, where honesty is. Right. And I there should know, be I an feel, hour like, of, like, you know, I'm being Dr. Moskowitz here and I'm no, <laughs> no, I appreciate it being said too. Yeah. And, and plus you've, you've had such an extensive career. It's nice to know that like, you know, uh, have somebody to talk to about it who knows like just so much more. That's another thing too. I feel like for some reason we, dismiss people even though they've had way more experiences way more like they're like as soon as somebody comes up with something that they don't know they're like you're wrong and it's like really do you see the life they've lived how is that fucking possible well that's i mean quite honestly that's something i'm really proud and grateful of mm. is that you know i started writing professionally i think the first time i got paid to write something i was 12 or 13 wow what was it and I, oh, it was a, it was a story, um, for a, for a, a, a magazine, you know, nice. and, awesome. and I, and I was, and I was writing little comedy bits and sketches and, you know, that we do in the yard and all that stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but it's, you know, I am now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman over 50 and I'm still working. Yeah. You know, and that I'm real proud of that. You know, I'm not working you know, as much on things that I'd like to, Ted Lasso, but, um, but, um, but I'm cutting that all together. Don't worry. It's going to be <laughs> on, right Give me a piece of shortbread. And then I'll... But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's because that's, that's, that's another thing is, is ageism, especially ageism for, right. for, for those of us who are vaginal Americans, 
you know, um, that's, that's just got to stop because, yeah. you know, and I'm not a Karen. You know? <laughs> well, I don't, do you, you know, Carol Montgomery? Um, oh, I know her work. Okay. Yeah. She's, yeah. well, she's been doing, I mean, she's, I've, I've seen, really, I've seen those shows. Yes. I've seen some of those shows. They're fan, my friends, Monica Piper and Wendy Liebman. Oh, yes. You know, I love Wendy. Amazing, yeah, amazing, have, amazing women. Brilliant women. Friends too. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I was getting. Like Carol and I have known, I've known Carol forever and yeah, it's just great that she's doing all that. Yeah. The, it's, it's fabulous. Just, mm -hmm. just fabulous. And um, they need, they need someone who does comedy and music in those shows. I will, yeah, I will, I'll, I'll let her know. I will also send her that as well. Yeah. What is this going to be an audition reel now? Exactly. <laughs> Do you like an up tempo? <laughs> Memories. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, I've kept you for uh, a little over an hour. I've got two more questions okay. left. Are you good with the. Okay. Uh, can I ask you those? Oh, Throw me anything. I'll... Oh, excellent. Okay. okay. So we ask everybody these questions. So the first one is, um, if you can go back in time and speak to your younger self, what piece <laughs> of advice would you give that would help you out today? Just get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Just get over it. I spent my entire life, years and years and years, you know, being so afraid to say anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. It's totally stupid. Love it. I uh, th th there is a line in in my current show that I I I start the show with. I come out, you know, you, if if you're nice, you walk out and people are applauding. Mm -hmm. And and I just say, you know, how how wonderful that is, but it's it's conflicting for me, right? Because I'm fueled by self-loathing, but by the same token, I I never want to disappoint anybody, you know. So I'm 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 basically I. I, you know, I fake orgasms when I masturbate because I just, I don't want to disappoint anybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, you know, that, stop that. That's what right. I my younger self, that and, and put, put the Bosco down, you know, put the chocolate. Down. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, is what in your life had to end in order for you to wind up where you are now? And it can be Ooh. good or bad. Ooh. And it does not also have to be about your career. It can be anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, also one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I hope this is an answer to that, but I think about this a lot. There's a lot of times when you think about, you know, all those friggin' roads not traveled, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, if I had done this, then I might have gotten that job, which would have led to this, which would have led to this, you know. Right. I'm, you know, uh, you know, if the police hadn't come in during my audition, maybe I would. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, this is going to be so goopy and I apologize, but it, it's like, I, I, I like my life right now. It's taken me a long time to be in this life. And I, I dated so many incredibly horrific men, <laughs> but <laughs> I met this guy over here who's like just the most wonderful man in the world. And I met him because I was doing the dumbest job in the world wow. for, for Sony Pictures TV. It wasn't dumb, but it was just bizarre. They, they mm -hmm. would send me to strange places in the world to supervise television in languages I didn't understand. What? And I was in wow. Belgium working on Flemish sitcoms. You know, okay. I, 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 I know Flem. I do not know Flemish. And, right, right. Yeah, I was going to say what you got to. <laughs> like, what, what, what am I doing here? But because of that, 
I happened to go to a lunch, you know, where I met this person. And, and because of that job coming back, I was going to go through London and mm. this person was in London and he said, Oh, call me and we'll have dinner. And that was, you know, 23 years ago and we've been together ever since. And, and if, if, if I had taken any of those other roads that when I look back, like, well, maybe that might've led to something, but I like where I am now. So all the stupid, ridiculous, horrible, dumb, batshit, crazy things I did over the years got me here now. That's beautiful. So, I like so that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what you mean too, because it's like, I, I think the curiosity of what, like, even through shit that's happened to me that's been really bad, I think I've always had a healthy enough curiosity to keep going, like, it's got to be something else around the corner. You know what I mean? Like, this sucks yeah. now, but what's going to come, you know, next? Even if it's kind of shitty, you know, you're like, fuck, what else? Even, even at that point, you're like, well, what the fuck else could happen to me? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this has been a blast. And if you want, can you hang out backstage for a little bit? We're just sure. going to be, we're going to wrap up and be done in like two seconds. This is where the real stuff comes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. we'll, we'll keep that going. Backstage, we'll just record without anybody. Like Brett Goldstein shows up. <laughs> and we have shortcake. It's going to be great. <laughs> Seriously, thank you so much for doing this. We really love it. Thank you, guys. Dystopia tonight.